Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated with both its parents tragically killed before its eyes and aired live every week, only on the Non-Productive Network, the only place that would have us. I am your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete and sometimes James. Yo, Frank. I comic books. Mm-hmm. James, stupid thing I, to say. Yeah, I, I'm excited to be here. Wow. All right. Not that stupid of a thing to say. We should have James on more often. He's a good... Pete Buffer. Uh, on your <laughs> it we just r- started. We rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies. And try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. So, on this week's exciting edition, we've got a lot of new weird books to read for you. And boy, do I mean weird. There's a, I think that's the trend what we've got. Things that are unusual. Things that you would not expect. I don't know where we should begin. I think we should bring up something that uh, we, we actually mentioned on the show somewhat recently and on the website. Uh, at New Jersey Comic Expo, we ran into some wonderful people, independent artists. And uh, Ken, you actually have, you were fleeced by one. You basically walked away with his entire repertoire. Yeah, after uh, after interviewing David Gallagher and finding out the premise of his story, The Only Living Boy, I was sold and I actually bought every volume off of his table. That's what we want to hear from Little Cons. All right, Only Living Boy, of all the books that you reviewed in that article, um, it's probably the one I was most excited about. Yeah, um, it, it's it's definitely not the type that I would rush out to, but after getting it pitched to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I could, I'll try this. And once I started reading it, I, I was hooked. Um, it opens up with a 12 year old boy named Eric Farrell, who for some reason, we don't know why initially runs away from home mm-hmm. and it's in a rainstorm and he falls asleep um, under uh, kind of like in a cave in a little cave and wakes up the next morning, and he's not where he belongs anymore. He's in this fantasy world, uh, a patchwork world. I love portal fantasies. I love stories about kids who run away from home or somehow transported to other worlds. Uh, Narnia, the, um, pro- uh, again, not really, but kind of Harry Potter. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole slew of these kinds of books. I think Harry qualifies. Does he? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he kind of knows how to get the train back. He's a little whisked, a little more whisked yeah. away. Yeah, there's a Land Alice of the Lost. In, yeah. Alice, Alice in Wonderland, Wonder Peter Pan. Right, right, right. Uh, so uh, this this is really cool. and An American tale. And it, so does it, <laughs> I guess so. Well, Fievel Goes West or huh? are we Either talking one. original? Either huh. one. He, the two imaginary places. There are no cats in America, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Good topical references. <laughs> yes. Good. Load it. Load the top heavy of this podcast with references to Don Bluth animated <laughs> features. Yeah. Wow. Even Don Bluth is like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the land it. before time? Yeah. No. All right. We're good. Uh, so <laughs> I thought we, we had more, but no, we don't. So in the very beginning, this story just sets it up with... Um, with uh, yeah, being and, and then away. and then uh, as as we go through more and more, there is a progression where we get a little bit as to what his why he's there. It, actually, if I could draw a parallel, remember the the mass reading we did years ago oh, of that yeah. Marvel book, Joe Joe the Barbarian. Yes, fondly yeah. I remember that. There is a, a similar. I wouldn't. I don't want to say it, it's it, it's a direct parallel, but there's similar aspects to it. It's like why is he here? But then there's you know. 
there's there's still Earth, and we don't know where the the fine line between reality and what he's seeing is. Um, but this is taken in a totally different direction. Mm. And up until uh, reading the last volume, volume five, it's it's actually it's it, it it keeps you wondering and guessing what what's going on. All right, uh, you don't have to answer this, Ken, but I'm going to ask you: it, Is this a case? where we might have an unreliable narrator. In other words, like Joe the Barbarian, if you remember that. Was it right. Joe the Barbarian? Joe the Barbarian. Joe, Joe. Joe. Joe the Barbarian. Dave the Barbarian is the Dave. cartoon. Joe the Barbarian, uh, it was a very weird, uh, strange cut itself, but it was about a kid who I believe was uh, diabetic mm-hmm. and was mm-hmm. possibly going into diabetic shock or in a magical world with all his toys are real. Uh, possibly both. Possibly both, but it's generally one or the other, or maybe, you know, it's an unreliable narrator of a situation. Yes, you, yes and no. Uh, the, the the big difference here is we don't know exactly if he sunk into this world because he's trying to forget a mishap, something that he caused to, in, in, in his and someone oh, else's life. I see. So the, unreli- the, narr- the part of the narration that's unreliable is maybe more about what he did. The interesting yeah. part is we get a lot of characters in here. Um, we and you know two of them are all from different races that live on this world, and they hate each other. And he finds a way to band them together to work together to get to a common goal, which is to take out this big bad that is going to destroy the world that they're all living in. Okay. So it's different sects. You know they don't get along. He makes them get along, and we take on the big bad. And I'm not going to say exactly how that goes down and ends because you got to read it because it's actually pretty cool. Um, but there are other characters that we meet along the way, ancillary characters like the right hand of this big bad, who is a doctor, but he experiments on all of these creatures of this world and mutates them. Interesting. He may or may not be someone else in the real world. So, so as things progress, another one, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, another famous portal fantasy. Um, yeah. So. And actually, I feel that we're getting the, the the story we're getting from the main character Eric is probably more reliable than what we're getting from the ancillary characters that may or may not be part of the real world slash part of this new world. Interesting, very very interesting. How many volumes is this book? Uh, it's currently up to five. Whether it's going to go beyond that, uh, I'm not sure. I remember when I was talking to to um, to, to Dave Gallagher. It didn't seem like they were in a rush to get going because they did have other projects going on. But in Volume 5, the guys at Paper Cuts uh, have an editorial page saying that they plan on bringing it back. So hopefully within, you know, within the new year, maybe we can get some news and maybe we'll we'll actually get more of this because I would like to see more. There's so many different directions and places that this story can actually go after that fifth volume is is finished and it sounds like there's still questions left to be oh absolutely absolutely does it stand on its own enough where if i bought those five volumes and read them now i wouldn't uh rip my eyes out trying to i don't think so i think there's enough there that you can probably my eyes out well well that is something you normally do right yeah i I gnash my teeth and tear at my breasts like i'm a greek tragedy Mm. yes would i be doing that I don't think so. I, I, I think that there's enough for you to actually form your own conclusions, whether they're accurate or not, and still be happy if this series actually ended and you got through it all. Mm-hmm. I, think, like, I think it's cool. Is it like a Wizard of Oz ending where, you know, <clears throat> you don't know if, uh, 
if it was just a fever dream or if Dorothy was just making up lies because living in Kansas yeah. is terrible. Well, by by the end of the of the the fifth volume, we're still in this world. Mm-hmm. We're still in the, in this dream world. So, we, uh, oh, I guess one more question: uh, Where, what city is he, or where is he in reality before he slips away? Is that is that obvious in any way? It's it's definitely Manhattan. Okay, see, that's the one thing. That is often true of these portal fantasies is kids are either in, they're in dire straits. I guess that's his family life is the dire straits he is in beforehand mm. instead of being in Kansas, which is just awful. Yeah. When, just when he, terrible. When he runs it, away. When, I'm sorry. Listeners in Kansas. I mean, yeah. there's no way you can. You can't listen to this Kansas. Sounds, you need internet. This sounds more like the situation involving another famous portal fa- fantasy, The Wiz. Mm, yes. Uh, Completely uh, Interesting different. enough, the producers of The Wiz decided there's no way in hell we're going to put this in Kansas because there's destitute. And then there's... I'm just wondering if we have any Kansas listeners. Hey, leave a comment on this post about how stupid and horrible I am or how dead-on accurate I I'm, am. I'm going to let you be the... Uh the, the horrible person for that one and not make the joke I was going to make. Oh, good. If you want to know the joke that Pete was going to make, well, just leave a comment on this post or tweet us at something. And if I ever figure out how to use Facebook, I'll respond. Facebook? Wow. Oh. Doesn't even know how to use Facebook. All I, right. I kind of have the hang of MySpace. No. All right. But, um... Friendster. Yeah. Yes. All right. I'm sorry. Ken, you were saying something No one ever relevant. used Friendster. No one. No, I was going to say, no, a lot of the, even the, 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 the new magical world that they're in actually has remnants of New York and everything else in it. So we have iconic things like the Statue of Liberty, and when he falls asleep in the, uh, initially in the beginning, it's in Central Park. So yeah, it's very, very heavily based in New York. See, this reminds me of a famous comic um, uh, from back in the day who I can't remember the name of, but it's about this like cave boy who's lost and maybe a lost boy. He's in like a future Manhattan. It's not Thunder the Barbarian. Is it Kamadi the... That's the guy. Yeah, yeah Kamadi. Yes, I didn't know how to pronounce the thing. Kamadi the Lost Boy, is it? Kamadi or Last the, Boy? Uh, hmm. I got to check on that because DC just, just wrapped up their Kamadi Challenge celebrating the anniversary of the character uh, where they had different characters, d- different creative teams passing off an ongoing story. Oh, I, yeah, we've talked kind about of like that. a finish the story thing that just wrapped up last month. Yeah, I, I ooh, I really wish I. Um... And ironically, you took the image down off of your bulletin board here in the studio. Oh, is that what you went to look for? Because yeah. when you talked about this last week, I looked behind me, and instead there's some stupid cartoon from Shell Oil. Uh, it's a it's a old time radio thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's what it kind of reminds me of. But it's a it, I wasn't I didn't read that book very much. In I guess uh, you know trade paperback because it was well before my time, but um, yeah, there's 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 certain elements of again Thundar the the future parallel world where Manhattan is run amok. Pretty cool, and, and the art is amazing. The, yeah, the art is fantastic. It's got a kind of cartoony aspect to it, a, a, kind of a cartoony slash anime feel to it when you look at it, um, but it fits the story so well. Like the writer and, and the and the illustrator. Obviously, did a lot of collaborating and mm. just built this from from start. To, you know, probably taking forever to figure out right. how, you know how to, how to how to do this. But yeah, it, it, it's totally fantastic. Yeah, it feels like a mix of Johnny Quest and Kamadi, the Last Boy on Earth. Okay, uh, that that's what I'm getting from the art style, uh, which I really like. I mean, I'm 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 very much into it. So yeah. uh, I didn't read it. You did. What did you rate, rate this book so far? The five volumes you 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 
breeze through. Again, I'll be honest, not something that I would normally pick up. And I had to tell you, once I started, I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to go mint on it. Nice. Well done. Very cool. Awesome. Good. I'm always good for uh, an action-adventure portal fantasy, and I will thank you and for if, letting me borrow it. And if you. I, Oh, definitely. And uh, nice. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. If I had to compare much better than, than Joe the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. We, we had our issues with that book, I remember. I also remember not finishing it. That's one of the ones yeah. I have on my, uh, not all of us, I think Pete I remember. Have. I remember that I finished it, but I don't remember the end. Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit of off, there was a little bit of off, and you know, Commodity, Last Boy on Earth yeah. is, it's dated, but uh, this but, seems like a fresh take. But, um, and real quick, I'm sorry to jump in, and again, going back to the art style and the type of story, it almost is a little reminiscent of Sam Keith's The Max. Oh, oh, mm. awesome. I love The Max. Yeah. Well, it's been a forever since I read that. I want to reread. Max. I actually just got that too. They they read they remastered oh, the Max, nice. so I think I'm gonna go back and do that. All right, 1980s MTV. Watch the show. What was it 80s? <laughs> 90s. Right? Was 90s. it 90s? 90s. Did it make yeah. it oh, definitely. 90s. Oh yeah. No, it started been. in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Image. No, yeah. yeah. You're right. Just before I get hate mail from uh, from Jack Kirby fans, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Kamandi, the last boy on Earth. There's an N in there that I forgot. Oh, interesting. Kamandi. All right. Well, your your mispronunciation allowed me to actually find this amazing eBay deal for Kamadi, the last boy on Earth. And it's going for a song because the guy probably did not spell it correctly. So let me just pause the show for a bit on this. Click and let's see Snight. if I just ruin someone's life. Nice. All right. Speaking of ruining lives, Pete, you get to talk now. <laughs> mm. Well done. So yeah, the 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 objective of this uh, episode of Near Mint is unusual books that you would not have expected us to review necessarily. Not necessarily like the common mm. top tier Superman's, Batman, Spider Man's, Spider Man's. All right. Mm-hmm. So to uh, to toss you a uh, a curveball mm-hmm. because everybody would expect me to review a Marvel book. Oh uh, yeah. I yeah. am reviewing a DC book. Right. Hey. Okay. And no ordinary Superman. Yeah. One of their Hanna Barbera reimaginings. I I so what did we all feel about this when it was released? Can you rewind your minds the back Hanna-Barbera to when things? the Hanna Barbera things were first announced? Uh I remember posting out about it in our fan club mm-hmm. and thinking this has gotta be an April Fool's joke. Cause yeah. it was just insane. It was some of it was a, I'm sorry. It was post-apocalyptic Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a photorealistic Flintstones, yeah. which at the time I didn't know too much about it, but it just seemed very odd. Uh, what else was announced? Oh, uh, Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest, I remember Space thinking it was Ghost. really cool. The Future Quest was what yeah. it was called, because yeah. it was like all of their action things yeah. uh, combined into one. Then there was Wacky Raceland. Oh, right, yeah. which was like Death Race 2000 mixed mm-hmm. with like Mad Max, Fury w- Road. Mixed, mixed with Wacky, wacky Racers. Racers. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that was it for the original crop. Yeah, that may have been um, it. There was a few, maybe other goofy. Yeah, there were cut some like ones. one-off yeah. things, and it but... just seemed ridiculous. It seemed like like a desperate attempt mm. to recapitalize on these, you know, these I guess Generation X known properties. Like, yeah, they're like the the baby boomers and up to Generation X were the only ones who really gave a crap about these and watched these cartoons on regular rotation. So I was I was curious about them when they first came out. Uh, Wacky Raceland never really got my attention. That was that was a little bit too far out, which is odd because it seemed like the best fit. 
Yeah, it seemed like the the, the clearest robot chicken parody that they could yeah. make into a comic. Right. Uh, but not, not so much. The Flintstones was a surprisingly smart political satire or satire on all of modern culture. You told us about this. And it's like over mm-hmm. the over the last few months, the more we find out about these books, the more we're like, huh. Our beloved John Minus is a, uh, a big fan. Yeah. Uh, of that. And yeah, they, they've evolved and they've gone on to another crop. Frank, I think you mentioned uh, da- The Adventures of Dastardly and Muttley. Right, which is, again, just insane. It's weird. I don't know how else I would have done anything with these characters that wasn't just trying to recycle cart- funny cartoon comic, cartoon mm-hmm. animal comics. And I don't know if those will ever really sell again. Yeah. But this is not expected, but it was very weird. It was yeah. good. And they did, uh, the the Flintstones ended and moved on as probably predictable to the Jetsons. Right. Which uh, James is currently enjoying. I, I'm uh, finished the first two comics. I was going to say, I think you're already past me. I only, yeah. I, I've only gotten through the first one. <laughs> so I, I finished the first two comics. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Um, All right. Well, give us a review in a little bit because we want to get the what what yeah, you, you, what you're, ridiculous you're going after thing mine, he, yeah. <clears throat> uh, because I may have the uh, the most surprising one of all. I, I I read the new issue today of Exit Stage Left: The Snagglepuss Chronicles. This blows my mind. I I didn't I. Uh, I hadn't seen this one yet, and I only heard about it today when Peter said he was going to review. When it. we were doing the first crop. I mentioned that they uh, they announced this one would be in the next crop. Yes. And they gave a basic outline for it, which was uh, that Snagglepuss was going to be cast as a fading uh, Southern playwright. Who How about Tennessee fa- Williams, even? Basically. <laughs> who, was, uh, who was facing discrimination as a, uh, a homosexual lion. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. <coughs> oh my really? Goodness. It's unbelievable that Snagglepuss would be gay. It's unbelievable that it's that done. They would go there? That they actually yeah. went there in a and one of my questions for you, if you're ready to start talking about mm-hmm. it, is like, was it that was a horrible I was gonna say did they do it straight, but did they do it <laughs> like you know, like was it was it done for laughs or was this an actual It is absolutely uh, not done for laughs. Uh, Unbelievable! This is a thoroughly unfunny book. It, there's nothing even attempting humor, right? In this, uh, this is a a dramatic story. This is insane. Set in 1953. Oh wow! Uh, at the height of uh, the McCarthy trial, the McCarthy hearings. Yeah, oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Wow, uh, Snagglepuss is a little backstory here. Mm-hmm. Pete shared with us earlier today in pre-production that he was reviewing Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles number one, which dropped today. And then I, I knew we talked about <laughs> Snagglepuss being in the, being a book, I, but I just had to search like how much of that is actually accurate. Did he just you know Pete elaborate on the title? And I searched. <laughs> And it's 100% true. <laughs> and the synopsis and the cover art, beautiful. Go oh, on, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so it's, it's at the height of the McCarthy hearings. Snagglepuss is a huge celebrity. He has the, uh, the hottest, he's the playwright of the hottest play on Broadway. 
which is very weird because in this world, humans and anthropomorphic animals live side by side. Right. Uh, and in the, this play is awesome. about uh, these anthropomorphic animals. He, he's kind of like Arthur Miller. It's a very Arthur Miller-esque play. And we get to see some sh- some brief scenes from the final performance because the play is closing uh, on Broadway. Uh, and and the in the play, the parts of the animals are played by humans wearing fake noses <laughs> and ears and fake tails. So it's it's very weird. There's this element of like how do how do people actually perceive this? Is that the equivalent of blackface? Yeah. That, oh. But they never they don't directly address that yet. It's just these complicated layers that are painted just below the narrative. The narrative involves, uh, you know, Snagglepuss coming to terms with the end of, uh, of the run of the play. Uh, friends being caught up in the, uh, the McCarthy hearings. Uh, and at one point we actually do see his name on one of the lists that they're, that, uh, that McCarthy has. Uh, Huckleberry Hound is in it. Huckleberry Hound is a, a, a friend from Louisiana. Yeah, all right, makes uh, sense. He, he's he's a, uh, a an aspiring author who has just moved to New York. Uh, Snagglepuss has a uh, a trophy wife who is an actress. Wow. Who is completely in on everything? Uh huh. You know, at one point after the uh, the big gala for the closing of the play, we see the two of them get into the limousine. Uh and he drops her off, tells her an, an, another wonderful performance tonight. Oh wow! And they and and he proceeds to uh, she she leaves and he tells the the chauffeur, you know, village, oh. <laughs> take take me to the village, and we we see a shot of Snagglepuss entering the stone wall. <laughs> wow! And all through this, there is uh, every time they pass newspapers or televisions. You're hearing news of the Julius and Ethel Rosenbaum execution, which is happening that night. That is insane. And why yeah. Snagglepuss? Why this? What? I'm it's, it's absolutely astounding. I don't want to go into any more details just because it's so much fun to start peeling away the layers of the onion. Yeah, well, I, can I ask you something? Though? Sure, sure. As serious as this sounds, you said there's not really any jokes in it, mm-hmm. right? Did you find yourself it in the Snagglepuss voice while you were still doing this, or That's while you were very reading? interesting? I found it utterly impossible to <laughs> really. The character is so different. Him and Huckleberry Hound, which are, to the best of my knowledge, I, I'm, I'm a little foggy on the old Hanna Barbera cartoons, but to the best of my knowledge, they're the only actual characters that we've met so far. Okay. I could not. At one point, I sat there trying to do the voices in my head, and I just couldn't. No, huh? It's like because these voices don't come out of these characters. Wow, that's and it's awesome. just it's. I as you all know, I'm a big stickler for keeping true to the characters, right? Uh, and I I was never a huge Hanna Barbera cartoon fan, but. They do hold a special place in my heart. I, I remember watching them as a kid. Normally, I would be like shaking my fists in anger at this, 
saying, how dare you not respect the characters? It's not, it doesn't feel like they're not respecting the characters. Because it, it, it's, it's like they, it's like the cartoons that we watched were a pastiche of these characters. And these are the characters in real life. Interesting. Because, yeah, a lot of the cartoons we grew up watching are, in fact, pastiches of famous actors at the time. Uh, I can, for some reason, can come up with no examples right now. Like Uh, the the, the Chuck Norris cartoons. No, that was the (laughs) Or or the Mr. T cartoons. No, what? Come on. We can't just, we can't leave it at this. How about those mice? One of them's Bing Crosby. You know what I mean? (laughs) The mice with the Bing Crosby. The mice where one of them is Bing Crosby. Yeah. All right, fine. Wow. Mr. T. Go on. But yeah, I see what you mean. It's very weird. It's, yeah. Oh my goodness. And I admire them for the for the art they're producing. Like originally yeah. I as I said, I thought this was a cash grab. I thought this was a stupid attempt to revitalize some Hanna-Barbera properties in but a very awkward misguided way, but they're telling some really smart stories and I, I mentioned you pull, pulling away the layers of this. As you get that, the, the you, once you get below the the McCarthyism things, you start to realize that some of the the things they're picking out about McCarthyism are very applicable to politics today. Yeah, and the last couple of years. Very interesting. It's like I said, layers on layers, and I cannot I can't recommend the book highly enough. So uh, we're only one issue in, and I'm di- I'm already I'm dying to find out where we're going with this. I I, I need to read this. What, yes. what do you What do you rank the I, first issue? Um, extra mint. <laughs> <laughs> nice extra mint. So here's a, a couple things. The art by Mike Feehan um, is great. It looks mm-hmm. great. Um, the cover though, which is really the only thing I paid attention to because I haven't read the book yet. Yet I want to read this. Is it's a beautiful uh, victory slash Statue of Liberty. It's like uh, slash Tennessee Williams slash Purple Panda or Lion by by uh, Ben Caldwell. It's mm-hmm. really amazing. You wouldn't have expected that art to come out for Snagglepuss, but there you go. Yeah. And here's a, a mind blowing thing. So it was uh, written by Mark Russell. Does that name sound familiar to any of you? It did to me. Yeah. Mark Russell is an American uh, political satirist. Uh, he's uh, yes. the guy who dresses in that big uh, red, white, and blue, um, uh, like uh, Uncle Sam outfit, plays the piano, and has oh, all yes. those ridiculous songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You may remember him more for uh, Phil Hartman's parodies of Mark, Mark Russell. Uh, he is not the same Mark Russell ah. who wrote this. It for like a minute, I was like, "What, Mark Russell?" Like, picture nineteen thir- born nineteen thirty two. This like <laughs> America's great playing on the piano. Yeah. That guy, but that was not the guy who wrote this. Different I Mark Russell would have loved it. I'm sure that even Mark Russell would have been excited. <laughs> but no, Mark Russell is a comic book writer who apparently is not related to famed American satirist, yeah. although. Give it a shot, maybe. Yeah. Maybe you have a talent for uh, the piano. And that reminds me, because, uh, because I had to look up uh, Mike Feehan, the, the artist mm-hmm. for this. Feehan? Yeah, I read it right. Uh, because I wasn't sure 
if that wasn't a uh, a pen name or a nom de plume or whatever for uh, for Steve Dillon. Oh, really? Uh, who you probably remember from uh, Preacher and Garth Ennis's Punisher series for Marvel. I can see that. Yeah, uh, th- a lot of the art is very similar. Uh, but no, it, it's uh, going back and looking at it again. It's 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 definitely distinct from Steve Dillon. But if you like Steve Dillon's artwork, you're going to love the artwork on this. Absolutely awesome, very cool, very cool. All right, uh, James, you were a very patient person. Uh, I know you haven't really gotten through all of Jetsons yet, but uh, just first thoughts. Uh, since we're, we're since we're on the topic, what do you think about this new this new Hanna Barbera DC madness? I don't. I don't want to say it's like a Jetsons nightmare world, but I would not want to be here. Oh no, yeah. From what I from what I could tell, it is a it's a very post apocalyptic future, like so post that it's actually now advanced again, but still kind of dark, right? Yeah, I mean it. It's interesting. I like the um, introduction to the characters we get. We kind of get you know an updates on where everybody is. Um, you know, George is is working still with Spacely, and he's um, a mechanic or an engineer there. Mm. Elroy goes to school, but he's kind of been like a Johnny Quest type, given a bunch of like adventures he's kind of going on. I mean, even in the second issue, there's literally a a, a, a parody piece of art that makes him look like Johnny Quest. He's got the black shirt and the blonde hair. It's oh, you know, nice. it, it, they might as well not be faking it. Um, <laughs> Uh, his wife is now a scientist holding a huge secret that their entire world is doomed because of a comet or asteroid that is flying towards them. Rosie is his mother. Yeah, we've downloaded talked about that. Into, um, into a body. I didn't read the description before I started reading that because that's that's where my nightmare world starts. Is uh. I, I couldn't <laughs> live there. Um, and then I think his his daughter is um judy is she's like some sort of telepath she sleeps in like this uh the this like water chamber she's minority report yeah this this stasis (laughs) chamber and she has these dreams that are clearly predicting something um so yeah it's it's episode one we learn uh, that the world has been destroyed by global warming in a meteor um you know so we get to see a little bit of underwater and that's really cool and then we get to find out that Rosie is his mother downloaded into a new body. And then episode two opens with half of the or comic two opens with half of the buildings in the Jetsons world beginning to fall out of the sky and George getting severely injured. So oh, wow. I just good. They've really raked up the drama. Yeah. And it's just more than (laughs) than the original Jetsons, you would think. Yeah. More drama than that. More, more, not only than the original Jetsons, but just more than I was expecting. The Jetsons movie? That had, that had Tiffany as (laughs) Judy Jetson. More than I was expecting going in, I think, is what what shocked me. If you're Tiffany and you voice Judy Jetsons in the Jetsons (laughs) movie, leave a comment on this post. Tell us about Kansas. James, I'll present to you the same question I I gave Peter. When reading it, did you initially start by hearing the actual voices of the characters in your head? 100%. But I clearly had to give them different voices because they sounded really weird. Like, (laughs) it just... I I couldn't, you know, Elroy... I was like, well, Elroy's much older. Yeah, he's like a teenager in this. And, like, clearly hearing him, squeaky-voiced Elroy, you know, it just just didn't work. Kind of like with the Flintstones later when uh, when Bam Bam and Pebbles kind of grew up. Right, and there's still those same voices. Yeah. 
Um, or, or when Spacely appears and he's like, George Jetson. But no, he's like really serious in this because like terrible things have just happened to his company. Like obviously he wouldn't sound like a confused guy. <laughs> Ken uh, brings up an interesting point, uh, Pete and everyone else. Uh, do you think that one of the reasons why we are not offended, not geekily offended by these uh, interpretations is because the uh, is because the original source material was so un not unloved, but unrespected by the people who created it. Because I'm, I'm thinking about like <clears throat> Ken brings up the teenage Bam Bam and Pebbles. Yeah. That was a that was a Hanna Barbera joint. That was a thing that they had made. So like we have grown up already. Real even Wacky Races was just them recombining a bunch of Hanna Barbera pro- pro- properties. In fact, most most Hanna Barbera cartoon shows were just like, all right, what's the crazy animal? And what mysteries are they going to solve? Or are they in a band or not? Like, we are so used to them treating their own material like garbage that we're just like, yeah, this happens. It's okay. For the record, the answer to that last question was always yes. Are they in a band or not? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, they are in a band. At Uh, least one episode, they were in a band. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's so funny that you bring that up because actually recently I was thinking about cartoons growing up and the fact that, like, I was like, where did the, the creators come up with this? And was it just, oh, yeah, slap... You know, a a creature together. It doesn't matter what the story is. We'll make it up and we'll just put them in the same whatever situation. I can't wait for the Netflix series that goes like beyond the cartoons that we love. And they interview a bunch of old people saying, yep, that's what we did. That's how we made up your childhood. We just picked names out of a hat. We rolled dice on an animal. And then we said, who's the brunette? Who's the blonde? And we're going to have a redhead. I'm going to disagree with that because I think a lot more care went into this than we thought of. Maybe... Maybe they were rolling the dice when they're first coming up with the concepts, like uh, like Jabberjaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, especially listening to the uh, the director's commentary on the He-Man cartoons. Oh yeah, I do. It was. I mean, they put a shocking amount of thought into that. Way more than I ever did as a yeah, kid. But I look at it as you know, like you got ricochet rabbit and you're like all right well we want to do this western thing what what, what else should we make it uh a bunny and we'll yeah. have a horse sidekick running around Can't with them too much like bugs so we'll make him like you a know. cowboy bu- but bunny. but it's still it's the same people that did don quixote and uh, don coyote and sancho panda see i think i also think there's a, Which is a pretty different clever. than than the funimation and Hanna barbera are not necessarily a, oh you're yes, right i apologize yeah. I, I also, I, I again, if you, I, there are again, some documentaries about how they made those monster, Masters of the Universe toys, and a lot of it is like, well, I don't know, something with a dinosaur head. Let's do that. <laughs> Give me a beer. Don't, 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 you know, put filmation that much higher up than okay. what Hanna Barbera did. Because just recently, I got myself an Amazon account, uh-huh. and on my uh, and on TV uh, with my Amazon account, I was actually watching the original '70s Ghostbusters TV show, oh, which was, was actually not... done by Filmation. And the I'm reason like, why we have the real Ghostbusters, you mean? No, I'm not even talking about the cartoon. I'm talking about the original the live '75 live-action oh. one mm-hmm. that Filmation actually did. Also, that made it to Amazon. Wow, it's on well, Amazon, I need to yeah. look that up. Yeah. Well, here, hold yeah. on. That made it to Amazon is not necessarily. But anyway, crazy. that's what I'm saying. Like, don't put Filmation no. up that high. No, I mean, no. They gave us that. I, yeah. I thought they. I thought the tapes were lost oh, on that. Oh, one. oh really? That, yeah. I, that's why I'm. I'm surprised. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, I don't know. I think that might be part of it. Maybe it's also the distance between the original product and what they're giving us. It's so radically different that I'm like, all right, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it's, that's that might be part of it too. I think that's the hardest thing with reading this is it is literally so radically different. Like these mm. characters, 
I guess just their fundamental character archetype archetypes didn't seem so developed in the original cartoons mm-hmm. that when we get these, you know, what this comic's idea of a full fleshed out version is, it's kind of like, well, who's that? You know, um, one thing I will say that I have been enjoying about this is every time I kind of have a question, the comic does a really good job at answering that. Um, so it's, it's doing a lot of good self foreshadowing and a lot of like, you know, hinting to itself. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that's been good. I haven't necessarily looked at this and been like, well, I'm never going to figure this out. Yeah. So when you're, when you're lost, it's because they want you to be lost. Exactly. So, uh, my reading for, uh, this episode, uh, and I asked Ken in the beginning whether or not, uh, not quite having a complete story, question mark, asterisk, uh, for, uh, the only living boy, made him want to uh, gnash his teeth and tear his hair out. And he said, no. So it's a good, that's good. That's great when you have a story that ends on sort of a loose point that you can continue on, but also feel complete. Um, I started off with a webcomic uh, that I've been reading regularly for many years now uh, that I highly recommend. And I did say the, the, the word webcomic, so you know what's coming. Uh, the Abominable Charles Christopher is an amazing story about this Bigfoot-like creature who is in the wilderness with a bunch of talking animals. So the Bigfoot creature is very like kind and gentle and loving, uh, and he is surrounded by these ridiculous animals who are petty and vindictive and mean to him, but then sometimes nice to him as well. It's got a vast cast of characters that are ever-evolving. The animals do most of the talking, in fact, entirely for the first part, all the talking. I cannot recommend this enough. And it has been going on for a number of years. In fact, uh, this is going, this last year was its 10th year in existence. Oh, wow. I I actually never heard of it. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. Uh, And I'm slowly catching up, and I know it's been out for 10 years. And my rule is with webcomics is make sure it's more or less done before you start, or at least the arc is done, <laughs> because fantasy heartbreakers aren't just for role-playing games, my friends. <laughs> well, how, how frequent is is it uploaded? Or? I think it's out about once a month. Um, and here's where things are getting a little depressing. So it's been out for 10 years. It puts out once a month. The last panel, the last strip came out. November 6th of last year, of 2017, as the time of this recording. Um, That's not too bad. uh, The last strip came out two months ago. I am extremely nervous that Carl Kershaw, the writer and artist of this wonderful strip, uh, isn't, isn't quite going to finish the book, the strip, the page, the webcomic. And I, I don't know what to do. <clears throat> There's a thing called Twitter. Uh-huh. And you can reach out to him and ask him what's going on. So I could do that, but I, I want your help, listeners. I think we should start a harassment campaign. No, no, not that. <laughs> a smear. No. Uh, no, not that either. An encouragement campaign to try to get this comic and this comic creator the support that he needs to get going. To support their their Patreon or their uh, their PayPal or whatever it is, send them vibes and goodwilling and things of this stuff. It's um, it's an, an Eisner Award winning strip. I can't. I I need more. Uh, I I caught up. Wait, I got too much reading in over the holiday, and I want to see this thing uh, keep going. 
Frank, I can tell you as a uh, a fan of the book series, A Song of Ice and Fire, uh-huh. that tactic is extremely effective. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> I, yes. I, I have no doubt whatsoever that George R.R. R. Martin is going to finish his damn books. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're going to start a, a hashtag called Abominable... No, there's no way of doing this. Abominable Charles Christopher. That's longer than a tweet. Right? Yeah. Hashtag it. No, eight, no. How do you spell abominable? Wow. All right. Well, that's not what we're going to do. No. Huh. Hashtag ACC. I was thinking that too, but I'm sure there's another organization with that, right? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. Uh, one of the major divisions in the NCAA. Yeah. All right. So hashtag ACC. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll we'll get that trending. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be real. How about, how about I feel ha- it's going to ha- be real popular come around uh, March. Yeah. All right. That's good. Let's do this. Hashtag give us Bigfoot. Mm, Bigfoot. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, just one last thing to wrap up the show. I want to uh, let my good friend Ken know about this wonderful book that's coming up. I'm hoping it's wonderful, but it looks amazing. Uh, from I'm afraid. From Archie Comics, a okay. new Archie horror series. Oh, boy. Let me try to pronounce this correctly. Vampronica. That's Vampironica, a vampire version of Veronica. Vampironica? Vampironica is the better way of pronouncing it. Yes. Vampironica. So it is uh, by Greg and Megan Smallwood, brother and sister team. Adorbs. Nice. Uh, and it's basically Veronica becomes a vampire. Uh, God, I hope they put Vampirella in there at some point for a crossover. Yeah, they they definitely should. But it's uh, yeah, it's another uh, Riverdale horror series. Those are always so much fun. I the have chilling tales of uh, Sabrina. The Ar- I haven't Afterlife I haven't read any of those yet. So they're good. And Afterlife with Archie, which I believe yeah, you did it. read, was, was very well. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, uh, I read. I think I read the first issue of Afterlife with Archie. I it's didn't fun. get into it. It's but fun, but you're more. Into didn't, they, the- didn't they just do a jug? Was it Jughead's a werewolf thing too? Uh, no, you're thinking of Captain America. No, no, no. Jughead is Captain America. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's another mint. So yes, a great. I can't wait to to read this. I think it may have come out uh, this month. Can, can I just comment that I'm 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 I have such mixed feelings about the fact that Archie Horror is. I can use the term Archie Horror in the same way I would use Hammer Horror. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. It's like a subgenre of the horror. I, oh, Christopher Lee as Archie. They ought to, they ought to just change it to AC instead of you know Archie Comics make it AC kind of like reminiscent of EC. Oh yeah, and or then we DC. can tweet it wow. at ACC. It's just it's all it's a hashtag for everything really. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's mostly for Atlantic Coast Conference, but we'll 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 use it as we wish. So yes, uh, lots of exciting things to read this week, and lots of things to uh, that we're looking forward to in the coming weeks. If you enjoyed Near Mint Comic Radio, like and subscribe, and then follow and do all those things on social media that you love to do. And if not, to hell with you. Also, leave comments in the podcast and below if you're from Kansas. Remember, we uh, we love you. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 